everyone. How's it going? Adrian here, and welcome back to But Why Though, the podcast, where we talk about different aspects of pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? At DreamCon 2021, con-goers had the chance to listen to Sean Chamel, the English dub voice of Goku, as well as many others in your favorite anime, video games, and animation. During the convention, Sean did a Q&A with the fabulous Fantastic Frankie. The Q&A was in the main expo hall, so it might not be as clear as you're used to, but I still hope you can enjoy the conversation with everyone's favorite anime dad. So music, when I was directing in New York, you know, while actors can be very good voice actors, in terms of jumping in the water and taking to dubbing, musicians, singers, musical theater people do way better than actors usually. Because actors are usually being on the stage like this and doing whatever they want at any length they want, right? You gotta keep it, take that same emotion and make it effective in a space that's dubbed you know, for you in advance, that, that, that's outlined for you in advance. And so you have to change inflections or timing, but you can only change so much, and yet it still has to be as emotionally as emotionally impactful. And so I've seen actors when I was casting in New York. I was always in musical theater people that would kill it. They were just great at it, right? And instrumentalists. And the actors would come in, and their acting was really good. And they they were headphones. What are we doing here? And now it's a thing. You know, this is 20 years ago, right? And now actors do a lot better. But yeah, music is a huge part of, of voice acting for sure. Yeah. Um, since we're on the subject, how different is the process of recording and just voice acting in general with the equipment, the gear, and the, just from start to finish versus when you first started? When we started, we were doing what we call chasing tape, and that means we have all the video on a Betamax tape, which is a $25,000 machine that runs really slowly. And so now we got QuickTime videos, right? When I worked at NYV Post, me and Michael Sinder Nicholas, Michael did this, were the first studio to pioneer using QuickTime videos instead of $25,000 beta because he couldn't afford a $25,000 beta. And so we're like, how do we use technology? And he's like, we're gonna do QuickTime. I'm like, what do we do? He, was, he just figured it out. And now everybody does it that way. But I think we were the first studio to do it. And so the difference it takes is that when you do a take 20 years ago, you, you're sitting in the booth and it's like, okay, ready the next take. So the machine goes, Whoa. Rewinds for a few seconds. Then it starts running. Then you wait. All right, Regina. Okay, is that good? Okay, we gotta do another one. Okay. Who does it again, right? Now, thank you for just saying all right, Regina. But now it's this fast. All right, Regina. Hang on, let's go do another one. several of the game DLCs in my home studio during the pandemic, uh, and every once in a while when there's an emergency, they'll let me track a line at home, because uh, I have a home studio for voiceover, obviously, but the gear, the mics are the same, the preamps got better, the virtual stuff got better, mainly just tracking with QuickTime got better, Pro Tools got a little, you know, Pro Tools will get me started, but it's good, but you know, for those of you who use Pro Tools, you know what I'm talking about, but uh, it, it, uh, it, it's gotten better, it's just gotten faster, sorry, that's a long way to say it's gotten faster. <laughs> yeah, they pay us the same. <laughs> um, since we're reminiscing, do you miss voicing Nail on the show? I do. And I actually changed Nail's voice. When I first did Nail, I picked a voice off the top. 
didn't like it. And then after listening to Kristen Piccolo and hearing the other Namekians, I decided for when he came back for Kai, I wanted to more closely be in the realm of Piccolo so that they sounded related, so I just made him lower like this instead of breathy, you know? I just wanted to make him sound more like he had some uh, power to him. And I, I tell Chris, I'm like, I'm gonna change voices. Like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. It's better. And uh, I said, check it out. He's like, that is better. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I don't normally do. I'm a big believer in preserving what you establish. But in this particular scenario, I thought, you know, it was a small character that, you know, he did not lose inside of Piccolo, along with Kami, <laughs> hanging out. I mean, Chris, they should do a whole show about that. Anyway, Chris. <laughs> so, um, you're also voicing gaming characters as well. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between voicing for anime versus voicing for gaming? There's a huge difference, and there's, a, there's some problems voicing gaming, uh, which, can, which sometimes get mitigated, and sometimes are tricky. When I'm, watching, I'm voicing a show, I'm dubbing, so I always get to see the animation, which is hugely informative about what I need to do emotionally and otherwise. I get so much data, and I'm always like, my voice has got to sound as awesome as that looks by itself, which I never feel like I get quite there, but I wanted to be, so if I see that crazy intensity of the animation, I'm trying to put all that through my voice. But a lot of times we do a prelay show, which is where we record everything in advance, including everything, we don't see any graphics, and then they animate to that. And the thing I've discovered with animators is oftentimes animators are not great at really catching the nuance for how they draw it. And I've seen it to where I'm doing an emotion, and then they draw the face, and I'm like, that's not what I was trying there. But when they show me the face, it's real easy for me to just go, oh, I know that smirk, or I know that effect, you know, that, that effect he's doing. And then it's easy for me to do. So I prefer to record dialogue prelay, then they animate it, and then all the action I like to do the picture, because then I can more bring the epicness because the number of times I've like done either an epic stream and it's not epic looking, or I do I don't know it's going to be epic and I do just a regular stream, not on Dragon Ball, but some other show. Uh, I'll do something you know that's a good stream and then I see it and it's ten times more epic and I want to redub it and I can't. I'm like, you guys animated this way more epic than I streamed it. I need to redo it. Oh no, I can't do it. Budget. I'm like, well, if you let me do it after the fact, you know. So and that's part of that's just the 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 the, uh, the craft changing, you know. People are trying to be efficient, and sometimes they're not thinking about art. I'm like, well, the best way to do it is, is, is this way, having done both of them. So when you do a video game, I'll do 400 cues an hour, you know, lines an hour. But in an animated series, I'll do like, you know, 30 to 40 lines an hour. And so you'll go through a whole lot more dialogue in four hours in a game. And I won't see, like even when we do the Dragon Ball games, I don't even see those cutscenes a lot. Like, we just act them out, and then they drop it in Japan, and we'll see what happens. So that's why the mouth flap doesn't always work right. And that has to do with budgets, and, you know, production and, and somebody's cost-benefit analysis of how much difference that makes versus the sales of the game or something I don't understand, right? So it's out of my purview, but it, you know, I, I prefer working on, on dub, I prefer working on dub series for, for the fun aspect of it, but in terms of creativity, I like doing prelay shows because I can just do what I want and I'm not dictated by the end. In fact, sometimes my voice acting dictates the animation, which is really, really feels good, you know? When you see something you did or wanted and they do it the way, oh wow, you drew that for me. Like that's it's amazing. So I hope that's another long answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about gaming, yeah. you have a Twitch. I do, I have a Twitch. I'm a Sean Games and Stuff TV. I think it's funny, somebody's making fun of me on Twitter the other day. I think Sean's trying to figure the why does my screen not work? And I'm like, hey, excuse me, uh, I'm not a boomer. And secondly, I built computers growing up and I've been playing video games since they were invented. So I'm not somebody who's like an old guy who doesn't know I was asking that because I changed my configuration settings. I'm embarrassed, so I'm not going to explain it. No. Um, <laughs> so I do have a Twitch, 
Uh, I am a gamer. I love playing Destiny a lot. Um, I love playing Diablo, but I like playing with a controller, and I try to hook up my PS5 to my Twitch, and it's not working right because I run a soundboard. Um, and so I, it's, just if you want to see me play games, it's, you know, it's fun. I goof around, I do voices, whatever. Um, and it's showing games and stuff. But, and I also have a YouTube channel that I'm doing, uh, which I've been trying to do for like the last 10 years. And then during the pandemic, my friends are like, why aren't you doing a YouTube channel? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have the gear. Go buy the gear. And so a friend of mine, I got a Twitch guy and a YouTube guy helping me out and they edit my videos. And I just get on there and be silly and do voices and play games and have a good time. But I love it. It's, you know, I love playing games. But if I'm not, it's funny because I'm gaming like every night. I'm gaming three or four hours a night. I'm not on my Twitch. And my girlfriend's like, why aren't you just doing this on Twitch? I go, because I'd rather see like half of you. And she's like, I'm just playing my game. Why don't you go get on the Twitch? And I'm like, all right. So I'm gaming all the time. I'm like, I love it. I can't wait for I can't wait for all this PS5 games coming out. That's a good woman that she's pushing. Oh, she's a gamer. She's mad that she can't game right now. She's had a, a, a traumatic brain injury for the last two years. Uh, she's she's okay. She, like, when I say traumatic brain injury, she's not like you know mentally damaged in a way, but she's in, in, in constant pain. So she can't play video games because she gets nauseous. And she's a uh, she's a hardcore gamer. She beat Enter the Gungeon right after a head injury, and then we found out she's not supposed to play games after head injuries. <laughs> But she's a hardcore gamer, yeah. Um, so, if you could voice any character, past or present, who would it be? It's weird, I get asked this a lot, and every time I think about doing it, I always feel weird because somebody else has that voice, and I feel like I'm taking a colleague's job. It's like I'm saying, hey, Kevin Conroy, I wish I had your job as Batman. And I love Kevin. So, um, uh, you know, as a kid, of course I wanted to be Batman growing up, and I, I, I don't really think about, I, I think about it broadly, and I'm kind of working on a show that I'm not really supposed to talk about right now, although it is on YouTube, uh, not, not legally, but it's on YouTube for some reason. Um, I've always fantasized about playing a character that I'm not a dub actor for, that I'm doing the original voice for, that goes on for a long period of time, like Mel Blanc did with Bugs Bunny. So I'm going to create an original voice that I, and what's funny is when I approach Goku, I don't know if this is why, if I did make it epic, or not, but I was trying because when I got the part, I did not understand the difference between dubbing and relay. And there was a kind of an unwritten attitude, especially those people in LA, that dubs are less than. Yet Italians and Germans really respect the dub actors. And I don't look at it that way. So when I got the part, I didn't think of it like, oh, I'm a less than dub actor who's just doing this dub and I'm the second and I'm beneath it. I thought, I'm the new voice of Homer Simpson. Like, I did not, I did not, I treated it just like I would if I had been called as Dan Cast in the Nut and said, You're the voice of Homer Simpson major character, I just treated it like I was the original voice. Not that I didn't respect that Masa Mazawa was the voice of Japan, but if I'm going to do it for this audience, I wanted to get something so concrete and so believable and so committed that people watching it would have the experience of watching a Bugs Bunny-like character go on and on and have continuity for generations so that, you know, when I moved to New York and they were going to fire me and I flew back on my own dime to finish the series, I was doing that. I wouldn't get money, trust me. I was doing that so that you guys would have a consistent voice. Because when I was a kid, I hated when they replaced the voice, right? So I thought, if I need a voice, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do this, right? Sadly, there are some shows I've had to quit for whatever reason, which I never want to do, but Dragon Ball would not be one of them. Um, and it's something that I, I tend to commit to. Well, the problem is when you do that, sometimes the folks hire you will take advantage of that, you know, so you have to be careful when you commit to that. But for Goku was special to me outside of all the other voice acting work I was doing, because I knew after I was doing it for a while, the impact it had on everybody. And I just wanted when people say, like, I grew up with you. I didn't plan on someone saying that to me, but I definitely had the attitude of, like, this needs to have, when I'm done, I want to have 
voiced all of this so that when I'm dead, some kid has a consistent voice through the whole thing so I can leave behind a legacy that matters, you know, and that, that can support this character that matters, just like Bugs Bunny told me like that, right? And so that was the goal. Uh, 20 years ago, I just had that vision in my head. That's what I'm gonna do, right? And no matter what it takes, I'm gonna do it. And, and it's paid off, thanks to you guys saying that to me. So thank you. It totally made a difference. And it's, it's really, it's the gratification that I, you know, for those of your parents, I can't fathom that. I, I feel like it's the only way I'm gonna get that kind of experience of, of the beauty of having a kid by having this kid, so to speak, a metaphor for this relationship. So, uh, it's, I really, I tell my partner, I said, look, when I'm done, then it's okay for you to, you know, go into the next realm and die. She goes, no, no, you don't live and have retirement. Like, it's fine, but if I do, as long as I finish this, it'll be okay. So that's why I want to keep living so I can finish this next movie coming out, which I just found out about myself. So, um, you guys excited about the new movie? Uh, yeah, I have no idea anything about it. I just know that it's called Dragon Ball Super Superhero. And, uh, and, and apparently it centers around Pan to some degree. Um, and there's going to be new characters. I, I'm, this is, by the way, I'm quoting this from the Dragon Ball site, so I'm not like, I don't have insider information. I wish I did, but they won't tell me because they're afraid I'm going to get on this panel and tell you. And there's an 86% chance that I would probably do. No, I'm kidding. I don't violate any of these. But um, yeah, well, there won't be actually out of my excitement, right? So, uh, you know, I'm excited about that movie and I'm excited about the rest of Super. I haven't read ahead, although I'm familiar with Moro and Granola to some degree. Um, I might read ahead a little bit on my YouTube. I am planning on reading a little bit of the manga and character on my YouTube. That'll be fun. So I'll, basically the idea is I'm just going to read a few pages as Goku, and then I'll approximate my castmates' voices. And then if there's a new voice, I might do a voice acting lesson. Like, well, if I was going to audition for this moral character, for example, based on what I'm reading, here's how I would So I'm planning on doing some educational things uh, around voice acting on YouTube and stuff, as well as, you know, silly videos or whatever. I'm just, you know, having fun, you know, having a good time doing being silly. Do you find when you read the manga before you voice those scenes that it affects your performance? Right, that's why I don't. <laughs> um, I, can, I can always make a good performance, but I, it's easier. It just makes my job harder. It's easier, you know, if there's a big deal thing happening and it's really going to affect me emotionally. Say Goku gets killed forever at the end. I don't want to know what happened. I, you know, I don't, don't want to know it right away. And, and, and I can do it. I can read it all because I probably forget about it, but if I read it and then did it, like, I don't even remember what happened to the Super, and I recorded that whole thing. But when we come, if we come back for the series, uh, I will probably, I usually, when we come back for a series, what I will do is I will go watch my work. I don't watch my work normally, it, it just drives me nuts. But what I'll do is I'll go back and watch Super, uh, probably watch the whole thing, just to wrap my head around everything else. I'll watch the movies again, and I'll try to time it where it leads up right to where, because when we did, we did Original Z, I started episode 53, we went through, we did the rest of the Z, then we did GT, then we did a couple movies, then we went back and did the first 53. So I called my producer, like, I gotta hear what I did at the end of Dragon Ball, because we did Dragon Ball before that. We did Dragon Ball before we did the first 53 of Z. I said, I need to hear what I did as Team Goku at the end of Dragon Ball, so that it will dovetail into the beginning of Z, so that the voice, because the voice shifts and drops. So I wanted to make sure it sounds consistent. And I don't always get that consistent bit that I want to do to production issues, which really actually irritates me tremendously. But because um, that happened a little bit on Goku Black, where I was chasing this accent around it, and he was changing it, and I was not getting a chance to re-record. I think it ended up turning out good, but uh, James was doing his own artistic thing, and I was hearing it behind him. I was like, wait, he has less of an accent now. I gotta, because it obviously needs to sound like Goku Black because there's the same spirit inside two different bodies. You see what I'm saying? So it's gotta, gotta have the same energy inside it. It's, 
you know, that's how we figure out stuff like that, you know. So it's believable, you know. Even the fight reaction, Goku Black's fighting, fighting Goku, I think the fight reaction was specifically trying to make them sound uh, bloodlusty and delicious and venomous instead of, you know, all that stuff. Yeah! All that stuff, like, I don't want to, I, I wanted to really fight you. It wouldn't sound like a blend of one Goku. I think it worked. I mean, when I watch it, I think, yeah, I think it worked. You know, it, it's challenging to do that. I don't think a lot of actors realize they want to be a Dragon Ball, and then they get on the show, and they're like, I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah, it's heavy. You'll sweat, man. It's it's not, most voice actors, like, even vocal coaches are like, you should not be doing that to your voice. And I'm like, I've been doing it for 20 years, and it's not a problem. Um, but yeah, you got to be really careful with, uh, with, with the screen. It's really, really tricky. You asked me a question that I answered. Yeah, you did. Oh, I'm terrible at answering questions. Now I have a really hard question. All right. If you had the Dragon Balls, what would your wish be? More Dragon Balls. Um, the Super Dragon Balls that are planet size. Those are cool. Um, you know, the thing with wishes, it's always more wishes. You know, I don't know what I. It's weird to say, oh, money. When I was a kid, I wanted a lightsaber and the ability to fly, so I could like Superman with a lightsaber. Wouldn't that be great? Somebody's gonna draw me Superman with a lightsaber. Well, why is he with a lightsaber? I mean, she plays it out of his eyes. I don't know, lightsabers are cool. Um, and so I never, you know, you can always wish for world peace or you can wish for change, but then you take away the human experience of figuring that as humans out on our own. I don't know, I think I would want to be able to, I think I'd want to be able to survive the depths of space and be able to teleport myself to anywhere in the universe. Think about that. Like, you know, we have 13, what, 14 billion light years or whatever expanse of, you know, deep space. And if you were in a galaxy that's like 100,000 light years across, which is part of billions of galaxies, and we're, you know, we're, it's, there's a lot of galaxies, you know. To be able to blink to one and, like, see what's there for a second and blink back, you know. I don't think I find any people there. To be able to jump anywhere in the universe without, you know, dying in the back of space would be pretty awesome. I don't know, I just thought that. I never thought of that before. I don't know. Going inside a black hole, that'd be amazing. Because a black hole, once you get past the, the, the event horizon, matter stretched and you get compressed, and then according to Hawking radiation, like the stuff gets recombobulated and comes out as could come, you can go into a black hole and come out as an airplane. Apparently. I don't know how it works exactly. I don't know the math, but yeah, black holes are amazing. And I, I want to be able to go inside them and see if it goes to another dimension without having my molecules stretched into oblivion or my mass and density. I'm getting too sciencey here. Sorry. Um, I like astrophysics. That's another one of my hobbies. <laughs> astronomy. I do like astronomy. Transmission, call it a day. Like it's easy. 
Um, and then somebody's like analyzing, like, well, a bonus energy would technically be plasma energy. Superman's only horrible to magic and kryptonite. I'm like, cool. Goku would probably tell Superman, like, if, if Superman's not threatening Earth, Goku would say, hey, why don't you get really close to the sun and get really charged up, and then I'll fire you, because I'm going to fight you your strongest. Right? That's exactly what you do. But if Superman was going to threaten his friends and he thought he was going to die, he'd be like, crap, i got to do something. Get close to Superman, grab him, transmit to another planet. Because Superman can't fly fast enough to go thousands of light years. So even if Superman could beat him on another planet, Superman would never be able to get back to Earth fast enough, probably. Because I don't think Superman flies faster than the speed of light. I don't know what you ever think about it. We talked about this a little bit backstage. But the, the big argument now is that Or any other martial art that I use. Um, I, I watched Sailor Moon back in the day. I actually liked it. Um, I only liked it when you use the power part. It's like all cute girl stuff. Like, cool. Oh, power. It's great. Um, sorry. But uh, I do like Sailor Moon. Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I don't have the powers delineated like I just did. Yes, that could be a thing to where if she's a goddess-like character and she has powers and control time and space, that might mess Goku just with Hitting a girl or whatever. Because um, he, he'd be bad at Chi Chi in, uh, when he met her, they were at a tournament together. So I don't think he's going to do any of that stuff. So I don't, I'm not worried about that. He might lose that. I mean, what if Sailor Moon is the one I would actually agree? I'd have to analyze it, but it's plausible. It's definitely plausible. You should, you should analyze it and let us know how much oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Producers who started the shows and all these dubs, 
a lot of these books, they don't care. The only person that cares is usually the director and the talent. They usually care. And their, their hands are held by the people above them. So somebody will really want to bring some subtle nuance and bring some real gravitas and bring some. Like, no, we're just trying to get it done. Trying to get it done. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're making art here. Let's make art. And they don't think that makes money. My argument is it makes money because then the show becomes perennially watchable. So you might not make enough money on your show at the get-go, but over time it's going to be a classic. Whereas if you schlock it out, it, it's only a one-hit wonder. You make your money in the short term. So I have to convince people that by spending the time on the craft, and there's only one studio that really does that really right, in my opinion, that's NYME Post, because Michael Sinderick is a friend of mine, and he's just quality, quality, quality. That's all we focus on. Bajillion takes to get it right, you know? And he loses his shirt financially doing it, but all he, he that's why he's an Academy Award-nominated director, because he's, He's not messing around. So you're trying to, you know, I guess I'm saying this because I know this is dream kind. It's about, you know, achieving your goals and social media and, and really going up. This is the kind of, the pros that made our A game, these are the philosophies that we have. You know, quality, quality, never giving up. You just gotta go the nth degree, you know, just as far as you can to make it great. And then you have to make decisions about whether or not that's worth your, your time or the money that you're getting. You know, it was definitely not, the only thing that made it worth my time is this. Like, the, 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 seriously, the only thing is the, the putting a smile on a kid's face if they're, if they're, if they're sad or, or, or if they're not sad. If they're just a happy person who likes very well. It doesn't have to be the people who are just, you know, having a hard, hard time. That makes it worth it. Like, all the other stuff, no, it's, you know, even contributing artistic legacy, you know, fine. I mean, if the critics are like, oh, man, Sean's a great voice actor, but kids don't like it, I don't care. Because, like, the audience, I want to, think about it. You, I can say, Sometimes when someone wants to kill themselves, they put on my show. That's, dude, that's a burden. That's like a wonderful thing. You know, it's like, oh my God, somebody wants to do, wants to do, wants me to be a part of it. Because I've had artists I listen to that keep me from being sad, and my favorite musicians, and my favorite people. And it's all part of the circle of life. So the, the lesson there is, is if you want to be DreamCon, and you want to you know, come to DreamCon and achieve your dreams, well then your long-term goal, if you can do that with your YouTube channel, or your TikTok, or whatever you're doing streaming-wise, and you can get some kid, you know, to feel better about themselves or, or, or aspire to get Well, now your purpose on earth, you know, that has some real power. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a beautiful thing. So, that's what I'm going for. And I want all of you. I guarantee you, when I was 20 years ago, I was wondering what I was going to do with my life. I was wondering who I was going to be. I was 30, and I, I, I guess I'm saying this because I appreciate all the love and the keeping on me, but, you know, uh, you might be the next whoever. I don't want to say beach, I think it's too a joke, but whoever voice actor or, I mean, when I, I had a lovely conversation with Big Sean at his house, and he was telling me about always watching Dragon Ball, wanting to be a Super Saiyan and how it inspired him to do what he does, and then he's geeked that I'm sitting on his couch, and I'm like, dude, I'm in your house, this is insane. I mean, you know, he and I talk about, you know, what, you know, how to inspire the next generation, so there's another Big Sean coming up, or another, uh, and that's why I love this Dragon Ball Super Superheroes thing, because I think that's what, what it's becoming about. We've been living in this hero spirit, the MCU, hero worship, and, and that can be a bad thing, but it can also be a really good thing. And it can be a bad thing when it's like a self-serving, narcissistic thing, and then the person doing the worshiping doesn't get anything out of it. But it's a good thing if you're an inspiration, and then that kid goes, you know, like, for me, my, I have a favorite rock band. My favorite rock band, you know, I listen to them all the time when I wanted to make first year all-state French horn. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I listened to Dennis Brain and my favorite French horn geeks, right? And I listened, I won, I got first year. So that was my inspiration. You know, and that same energy, that rock band, the same kind of, there's lyrics in there that I repeat to myself that I bring into my craft every day. So if Goku does that with I know the universe speech or the, the intensity of my screen, you're like, nope, I'm still working out. Sean's in my head telling me to. 
and you don't get cancer because you worked out? Oh my God, thank you. You know, like, I guess I'm belaboring the point, but I'm just saying that I want everyone to be able to rise up and, and, and be self-congruent with your full realization. And that doesn't necessarily fame and money or whatever. It could be a good parent, a good teacher, um, you know, you silently love that person on the street or whatever. The last thing I want to say about this hero worship thing and, and, and achieving your dreams is I don't want you to forget about yourself. I don't want to, people that get all self-sacrificial. I think it's a good thing, and there's a lot of religions that kind of teach that. I've studied all of them. And, and the point I'm trying to make is, is like, you're, when your bank account's full emotionally and, and, and fiscally, then you can give. But if you're like giving your shirt off your back because, you know, whatever church service you went to, not, not that I disconnect, my dad's a preacher, but, you know, you get these stories about Jesus or whoever, that's a good story. But the part they don't tell you is you've got to make your emotional bank account full. you got to take, it's just like the airplane mask. Put your, you know, put your, if the plane docks in your mask, put yours on first, then help others. Because if you pass out, you can't put the mask on your kid, you know, like on a plane, right? So that's the thing I'm saying. As you go along your quest, make sure you're taking care of yourself full time. Because when your bank account's full, emotionally and physically, you can give $100 to a friend. You can help that guy over there. But if you're all miserable and you're like, yeah, I just gave it all away and I got nothing, well, now you're, you're being mean to my friend, you. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? So I don't, I don't want that point to be driven home. Take care of yourself. And so, yeah, you know, I can be selfish sometimes, but then when, I, when I'm full, I give up, you know? I do it a lot, but I don't, you know, right, right, just do it, you know? And then you don't want to do it from a, you want to do it because you, you're choiceful about it. Like, you know, you, you have everything, you know, from a place of real human connection. I feel like in this world where we're so connected through YouTube and, and Twitch and Twitter, et cetera, we're also very disconnected. You know what I mean? Like, we all can see up each other's business. Like, I can go to any one of your Instagrams, oh, there you are in the mall, I don't know you, you know? <laughs> It's kind of weird, you know. You can see my Instagram. Say, oh yeah, there's John doing that. I'm like, of course I'm putting that there, but you know. But are we really connected? You know. So I, I, I get concerned about that for for the world, you know, as the future goes on. I, I know it's a big long speech. Sorry. No. I'm oh, sorry. We came here to listen to black <laughs> I want to get to your good question. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so the next question is: Are there any projects in the future we should be looking out for? Yes, I'm. I'm working. What? to some degree. I, I invested in a couple of companies. I, full disclosure, I own part of uh, Oxide Media, uh, Sourcepoint Press, and Last Book Legion. I'm working on several uh, comic books, one of which is War Corinth, which is Battling Corinth for Hiring, probably saw my Kickstarter. And then we're also working on uh, a show called Familiars, and another show called Franklin and Ghost, which I star as Franklin, and Billy Bob Thornton stars as Ghost. And we're, we've done some animation on that, but the pandemic kind of screwed everything up. I'm also working on a Lego show called uh, Monkey Kid, which I can't really talk anymore about other than the fact that I'm in it. And uh, that, you know, is going to be out pretty soon in the U.S. Uh, I'm also working on various things like Pokemon. Well, I can't talk about that other than the fact that I'm in it. Um, which you probably, some of them are already aired because I'm doing the new uh, series. Uh, and I'm doing various characters there. And then I'm just, you know, I'm working on developing different properties for animation and TV. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep voice acting, but I'm also trying to develop TV shows that I would like to see on TV. Now that I'm in a position to be able to do that. So when we, Oxide Media and Sourcepoint, we sell comic books, uh, board games, uh, we're doing movies now, so they do a lot of cool stuff, they have a lot of interesting, the reason I invested in them is because they had, they had a library of comics that I thought were totally unique to any other publisher that I've seen. It's really quirky and interesting titles, and Gary Gunn, who's my partner at Last Week, he writes all this stuff, and he's, he's a genius, man, the guy, he writes the coolest stuff. So he's got a new comic book out called Good Boy, which is the John Wick story, is the dog having a gun, 
and it's blowing up. It's already out. It's called Good Boy. It's by Garrett Gunn, uh, and so I think I'll be sold through a source of press. So that's the stuff I'm working on. Yeah, but I've got my YouTube and my Twitch, and you know, I'm doing that, and then I'm doing public appearances, and then you know, Dragon Ball when it comes back. So and anything else I audition for. So some of which I can't talk about. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.